Cyberspace, the next frontier. These are the analyses of the podcast, The Measure of an Episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek. Is this being read by Janeway? It sounds like it's got that mid-Atlantic stilt to it. <laughs> Seeking new life and new information to boldly go where so many podcasts have gone before. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> and I quit. <laughs> so tune in next week for Marvelous. Uh, oh, is, this, is, is it out? Is it released? No. <laughs> It's okay. going to be the podcast that never was, <laughs> like so many others. And the criteria by which we measure these episodes. Number one, does it have science fiction? Is, is there a science fiction intricately woven into I'm just, I'm giving up. I'm giving, I'm just going to keep using it. Okay. And number two, is this science fiction, is this presentation of science fiction novel? Or is it just the same old, same old stuff we've seen before? Ah, oh, I see. And number around. three. Is there some element of morality explored within the episode, either by a character or is the whole plot line some sort of tale of morality? And these three, if it meets all these three, then by golly. (laughs) Just going to say that. (laughs) By God. (laughs) It is a it is a proper, a genuine Star Trek episode. They've done it. Not just. I can't believe they've done it. We've done it. No, just they they made a proper Star Trek episode. The sons of a bitch did it. See, I know that what you said, sons of a bitch, is truly grammatically correct, but sons of bitches sounds way better, right? No, the sons of bitches did it! Sons of bitches! Um, no, it's, Although that could also be, yeah, could it, also be grammatically it, correct. Right, it just totally dep- Like, if I'm talking about brothers, they're sons of a bitch. If I'm talking about individuals, <laughs> they're sons of bitches. What if they're half-brothers? <laughs> I guess it just depends on, on if it's from their right, dad right. or the same mother. Yeah. yeah. Those... Possibly sons of a bitch, maybe bitches. Not sure. <laughs> I don't know the lineage. Anyway, you know who you are, now get over. <laughs> so this week, we were supposed to watch Paradise Lost, and once again, <laughs> we'll fix this by by the time we run through all the two part episodes. But once again, it's we- not our fault. It's not our thing to fix. It's it's DS 9s fault because they do this thing every time to us where they don't follow the regular standard procedure when you have a two part episode. You put part one and part two after the name, the title of the episode. It's okay they have different titles because the first one was called Homefront, second one was called Paradise Lost. That's fine. Maybe it's even appropriate. But put part one and part two after them. Homefront Why part not? one, Paradise Lost part two. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like that's way more confusing. But regardless, fool me once, shame <laughs> on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like we should know by now that we should check every DS9 episode to see whether or not it's a two parter. Because I think there's seven total, and this is number three or four that we've done out of the 50 episodes. I mean, we're just going to burn through them, so we won't have to worry about it anymore. But anyway, dear <laughs> listeners, <laughs> we we wound up watching Paradise Lost and realizing when it started with previously on Star Trek Deep Space Nine that we needed to watch the previous episode. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to come clean here, and I'm going to tell you that so there is a recap at the beginning of Paradise Lost, which is the part two. And I was thinking to myself, I was watching this. Okay, maybe this is just they're bringing us up to date on all of everything that's happening because there are relevant things that happened in this episode that have happened previously uh, in the whole show. Right. From episode one up until now. That was not the case, as I found out. But I felt like we could have totally skipped Homefront and would have been perfectly fine. The one minute recap that they gave us was great Star Trek. In fact, I'm giving the recap full full endorsement 
<laughs> it has our endorsement as proper Star Trek, the recap. And that's it. <laughs> so, okay. So after watching the episode of Homefront, uh, which, by the way, we, since we never said the blurb, the blurb is... An explosion at a Federation slash Romulan diplomatic conference on Earth has killed 27 people, and there's evidence that the bomb was set by a changeling. Uh, do you feel, after having watched the episode, that you did not need to and the recap was sufficient? Actually, just reading the blurb, per- just enough. That's per- perfect. They should have just written that on the screen before Paradise Lost. That would have been just enough <laughs> information. Just started Star Trek Deep Space Nine with... With the Star Wars? Well, yeah. And then we have the. I would have definitely watched that. The byline scroll through. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And then that would have been ballsy. Pans down to the to earth (laughs) (laughs) to a room with chairs and people sitting in them talking well that's what you have with diplomatic subterfuge um (laughs) is there subterfuge is just talking (laughs) (laughs) uh so paradise lost was the blurb was when dominion sabotage is blamed that's important for a planet-wide power outage starfleet stations troops all over earth to prepare for an invasion that never comes so that that does not feel right grammatically when dominion sabotage is blamed for a planetoid power outage. Planetoid? Or is it supposed to be planet-wide? It's planetoid. <laughs> we'll go with planetoid. Okay. Also doesn't make sense. But wouldn't it be when Dominion sabotage... Blamed is the wrong word. Like, you can't blame sabotage. Does that work? That feels wrong. You're right. Me. Yeah, they're blaming the Dominions for the sabotage. Right. But yeah. you can't blame the sabotage. Right. You're blaming the sabotage <laughs> on the Dominions. Right. It should say is believed. Believed. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, is believed to be the cause. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Planetoid power outage. This person has never seen. Well, it says a... planet wide. Oh, it does. Okay. <laughs> that was just me agreeing with you so we could move on. But, you know, we had to circle back around to it. <laughs> We're going to power through it. Well, there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> What are we going to talk about? We've got We've two hours to talk about how this is not a proper Star Trek episode. So the one interesting thing that happens, because there's a lot of just talking at the beginning of Homefront, is they're watching the, the wormhole. You're like, oh, the wormhole's acting up. It's very strange. There endeth the science fiction of the, of the whole episode. Yes. The rest of the episode is them effectively packing. I mean, we don't actually see them putting clothes into, into garment bags, but – it's the same thing. We're talking about people, well, we're going to be going on a trip. Well, we're going to miss you. Well, it's okay because we're going to go. It's it's all just a, them talking about leaving. <laughs> well, first of all, can we go back for a second? So the evidence that they have, as I said in the blurb, that the bomb was set off by a changeling is that there was a changeling in the room where the bomb went off as it was going off. Mm-hmm. How is that evidence that a changeling did it? Because they don't say, well, the changeling must have killed himself. Right. And why would why why do you have to be in a room with something when it explodes to be the cause of it? I don't know. It didn't it didn't make any sense. Well, yeah, but it kind of seemed like there were there were a couple questions that were raised in the first part that weren't answered in the second part. You know, for example, the the changeling that they ran into that was uh, imitating Admiral whatever his name was, um, that guy. You know, the one who wound up being the one who Ladinkoff. did it all off. What? Admiral Vladinkov. Admiral, yeah, Admiral Vladinkov. I'm pretty sure that's not right, but we'll go with it. <laughs> um, but you know, he like the they were talking about changing into a, an eagle, and you know, like how he's going to get or a seagull, and how he's going to get better over time, and he just needs to practice. Um, and then he grabs his arm, and he turns out to be a changeling, and so he turns into a seagull and flies away. Like that was. Well, I mean, then we see a changeling later on, but that changeling never says that he was the one earlier, and they never say why he changed into the Federation officer if it was just to get under Odo's skin. 
Um, well, there's this floating threat throughout both of these episodes that there are changelings who are trying to infiltrate Earth. Right. And that it's very scary for everybody because you can't tell who they are. They, As they pointed out, they can impersonate any anybody or anything. Yes. And so that that is the the looming threat that is that is I guess carried forward after these two episodes because there there are only two or three peppered throughout these two episodes encounters with changelings. Everything else is just uh, I guess the theme of these two episodes is paranoia. Right. Well, yeah. Um. But there w- there wasn't any explanation for for them. You know. Yet, like they said, there's there's four on Earth, and look at all the the panic and pandemonium that's that's happened just with those four. That you didn't even know were here, but right, yeah, like there, you know, there was very clear evidence that there was a changeling on Earth. But then when they kind of gave the reveals at the end that the whole thing was put together by Admiral Laddington, I guess it, you're right. It's never brought up again. I guess right. And then they have this chat, Odo and Dax. There's this whole thing about his furniture. Was this something that we just missed, or is this just a, a reason to get these characters talking to each other? That Dax played a practical joke on Odo by moving his furniture around by three millimeters. And it pissed him off, and so there was this whole section about that in the beginning. Well, and what a stupid prank where you come back and fix it yourself. And the I fact know, that she, so like, boring. yeah, she she didn't even, you know, she wasn't like, ah, oh, we got you good, or, you know, like, he's like, you have to promise me you won't do this. And she's like, I guarantee nothing. Like, there wasn't anything like yeah. that. It was just, you know, she moved his furniture centimeters and it drove him crazy <laughs> and he's like don't do it again right. and she's like you got it right end of prank wasn't this great this was a fun prank right yeah so then i told him i wouldn't do it anymore <laughs> <laughs> so there is one little bit of science a fun science fiction in this episode so cisco is talking to his dad which he's going to be doing a lot of in these two episodes <laughs> yes i mean to be fair it is it is an actor who who is well known, and he he actually had a previous role in Star Trek. Um, so it was it was fun to see the two of them together, and they probably wanted to use as much time with them as they could. But yes, they right. definitely yeah. You know, yeah. I'm struggling. I'll just go talk to my dad. <laughs> it's dinner time. Well, I better go see I would my dad. Say, I would say at least twenty five to thirty five percent of these two episodes take place in his restaurant. Yes. Yeah. So. He's having this conversation and he talks about, you know, he says, look, dad, this is not a vacation. I'm going to be in San Francisco most of the time doing work. So Mm -hmm. he's like, that's fine. Whatever you do during the day, but you have to make sure you're sitting down at my restaurant for dinner in New Orleans. And that was a great expression of science fiction where travel is not how we think of it now as it is in, in the future, that you can go truly anywhere on the planet for any, for any reason. If you want if you want to have a baguette from France for lunch, you can go do that if you live in San Francisco. I don't know. Did you catch that? Um, yeah. Well, and it's it's something we talked about before. I, I don't remember if it was behind the wall or not, but um I don't I don't feel like that's a common form of travel. I I think that it's kind of just relegated to Starfleet. Um and they they are given access to transporters like that. Really? I always thought of it being as something that was just ubiquitous. That energy is free and and ubiquitous and you can do kind of do whatever you want. They call it paradise many times. Right. Earth is paradise. And so I got the impression that you could go anywhere you wanted and do anything you wanted on the planet. There you were not you were not impeded by anything. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um so okay. I mean I, I think I think that it is a form of travel, but it's 
outside of Starfleet, it's utilized in the same way as any travel. It just takes away the travel time. You know, so like if you want to go to Paris over the weekend, you don't have to prepare for the six, eight, ten hour flight and the layovers. And or just for like dinner. That. You can go for dinner. Or for, or for dinner. Yeah. But it, you still have to you still have to pay for the trip. I mean, we've talked about this before where money is available to Starfleet, but you know, Picard has mentioned several times that we don't we we don't care for material goods and for like acquiring things. You know, he told the he told the dinosaurs that. Um, so they they still I, I feel like money is still a thing. Otherwise, you know, where how is Papa Cisco getting all of his stuff? Um, and like keeping and why would he keep his restaurant open? Um, so I think I mean if you were to ask him, he would say I couldn't be doing anything else. This is what I do. this was what I was born to do is to make food. I feel like that's the conversation that that everybody has with with every person in Star Trek, where everyone has somehow found their calling and is ex- able to express it in this in this utopian society. I feel like we wouldn't keep coming back to this idea that there is no money in Star Trek if they w- wouldn't keep talking about it. Right. Oh, for sure. They they keeps keeps coming up and I think I mean I I do think that they don't pay for anything. I think you can just go somewhere and you're there. And it's just to provide you're just provided for by the Federation. No. Maybe the Federation itself has to deal with money as we've talked about right. with Deep Space Nine. And we talk we talked about how they must have to deal with money in some way, but in terms of internally, there is no money. Right. Well, yeah. And so so I guess the, then the question is just, is, is, Earth, is Earth part of the Federation or is just Federation on Earth and there are still people outside of the Federation? I mean, they, they clearly are people outside of the Federation because otherwise Papa Cisco would not be telling him, you know, you you were the one who chose to be part of the Federation, blah, blah, blah. But I wonder if being on Earth, they receive all the benefits of being in star, in, Feder- in the Federation. And so they don't have to pay for anything on Earth. But if they did travel elsewhere, they would have to find some means for their own, which also would explain why Papa Sisko doesn't want to go anywhere. He hates the Federation, but he loves what they do for him. Yeah, it could be. They never go into this. I mean, we're we're fill we're filling in the gaps quite a bit with this stuff. <laughs> I don't because, think so. I oh, think it was yeah. all insinuated. <laughs> it's all in the subtext somehow. Yep. They they do get miss an opportunity with this whole restaurant thing to serve Picard's wine. Ooh, nice, right? Okay, so there's the. It felt like specifically in in these two episodes, but this does happen a lot in Deep Space Nine, where. Where every sit-down conversation, it has to start with some sort of personal anecdote that turns out to be a perfect metaphor for whatever problem the other character is having. Yes. And it gets, it gets so old because it's not everybody is Mr. Miyagi, first of all. And it, you, can, you can have a conversation that isn't five and a half minutes long to just get to the part. It's like, yeah, you should go talk to her. I think that, I think that would be good for you. Mm-hmm. As opposed to telling the when, when I was a boy story. And just boring me to tears. So, right. No, and I was I was watching it with kind of the, that ear and that, that frame of mind. And first off, I think that they handled the script amazingly well. I think that Avery Brooks and whoever that other actor is, like they, they did a really good job of just bringing that conversation to life as best as they could. But having said that, I feel like there was a lot of here's one, here's one. Oh, look, when you put them together, they make two. Aren't you glad I told you that? Right. You know, I feel like, I feel like either nowadays or with a far more adept writer, they could have provided all of the information in that conversation without spelling it out for the audience the way that they did. Um, yeah. You know, like the, totally. where, where, where they bring up Zoe, I think that was her name, Zoe Phillips, and Cisco leans back, you know, and he's like, Zoe Phillips? 
whew, man, I had a crush on her. It's like, that's your dad. You, he knows that. I know. Like, you know, as soon as he says <laughs> Zoe Phillips, he could have just said, oh, man, Zoe Phillips, I haven't thought about her in forever. I don't know why it was a two-parter. They just cut out all of the twos from all of the one plus one speeches that we were getting. That It would have been a one-parter easily. Yeah. And it would have been so tight. It would have been really tight and just more entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the think about the scene with Cisco's dad's blood test, where the dad doesn't want to give a blood test. Yes, and it just goes on and on, and they go back and forth about Dad, you take the test. No, I don't want to take the test. Dad, you're going to take the test. Please, Dad, take the test. No, I don't. I'm not going to take the damn test. You just must over take the test. and over. I won't take the test. <laughs> it, that's what it felt like. Right. And I was like, okay, are they beating us over the head with some sort of political statement now? Are they trying – because, you know, you shouldn't just – a person shouldn't have to prove who they are just because you want them to. You know, I was, I was like, OK, well, maybe that there's something going on at the time. It was 1996, and so I don't I, – I didn't <laughs> – I couldn't be bothered to look up if there's anything happening politically. <laughs> but but maybe that was that. Um, I, I don't know. It just felt like – and that was, and then so they have that end where at, at the end of that scene, Cisco is sort of relieved – but then angry at himself for for at any point believing that his dad or thinking that his dad might be a changeling. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, oh, is this what this scene was about? Right. Like, when did Cisco get paranoid all of a sudden? Yeah, and that could have been a great moment in relation to um, uh, Chain of Command, you know, kind of in the same way, like where my I, I was questioning my own father type thing. But, it, like, it, yeah. it could have been a good, like— just denouement at the end of the episode, but it wasn't the end of the episode. There's still more. First of all, I should tell everyone, I am elated that Netflix has now, I mean, you knew about, <laughs> about this before before I did, and you didn't tell me. You can speed up how fast you watch something now, up to one and a half speed, which I guess is debatable whether it actually is truly one and a half speed. But but how great is that, everybody? <laughs> we can watch Deep Space Nine in 1.5 the time, or I guess 75% of the time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's... Old news for me, so I'm just kind of letting you jump up on here and <laughs> shout it from the rooftops. Are you done now? Okay, I got a question. Okay, because because it, it is it is the holidays, uh, or it was the holidays, wasn't it? It, it yeah. was two days ago. Yeah. This, yeah, today's the 27th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm sorry. Today's the 20th. <laughs> we're doing a great job. I know we're doing so good <laughs> today. Uh, so today's well, I guess today's the 19th. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, we could tell people today's the 18th. We're recording on a Friday before this gets we'll released. Another, like another shot at it. Just one more shot. Right. At it. No. Eventually, you'll get it right. We get, it, today's today's the 18th. Today's Friday the 18th. Um, the episode's going to release on Monday. So Hanukkah has ended. Christmas has not yet happened. See, that's the one plus one, and here's two for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's a there's a scene where they cut to the president talking to his aides, and this is right before. They they discuss martial law. Yes, and all of his aides are dressed like holiday carolers. <laughs> Did you notice that they look like straight out of the Muppet movie Christmas Carol? It's hilarious. No, I, t- I was like, wait a minute, are they in the that. holodeck? Right. <laughs> I thought they were in the holodeck, and and Jake was doing some bizarre thing, and it wasn't. They were just in the president's office, and they were all dressed like in there in like the top hat and the vest, like in suits, three piece suits. So. Just kind of the the episode in in general, like I felt like there were there were just some just some subtle undertones of things that like are currently happening in today's political environment, and I thought it was really interesting to watch it from from just that perspective of you know what twenty twenty has been like and how close people have thought we were going to get to martial law 
uh, with all the riots and just kind of how how easily it can go there. And there there was something else too, just like uh, how it kind of compared to to nine eleven as well. So I mean, I know I've already said that like, this this in no way was proper Star Trek, but I really enjoyed these two episodes. Um, I thought they were yeah, I thought they were great character moments, and I really liked how everything was peeled back as far as the the reveal on um on how he put it all together and not not how professor professor <laughs> Profe- <laughs> almost again admiral ladesco like did all of the um the manipulating but how cisco was able to figure it out you know the fact that he accidentally found that record and he called about it wanting to get more information and the person was like good job finding it delete it you know and so he's like well that's interesting and then he goes to to interrogate one of the red squad cadets and you know he's like you you made a bunch of mistakes and he's like no we didn't we did everything to the letter and he's like okay walk me through what you did and i'll tell you yeah okay by the way can we talk about that really quickly sure uh did he seem like a perfectly cast dude bro like the, did the whole red squad thing seem like kind of a stand-in for a a ivy league kind of boys club type of thing because yeah the oh way yeah that they absolutely. cast him made me feel that way it seemed like a super intentional shady dude bro yes that you know that kind of thing yeah um that was cool i liked the red squad sabotage intrigue thing that was a lot of fun i just it, it would have been interesting if what if they did this instead? Instead of having instead of the events being reported to us after the fact, why not have what's his name Nog? Why not have Nog find his way because of Cisco? Sorry. Yeah, I kind of love Nog with with nutmeg, a little bit of hot. I don't. Let's stop. Let's stop. <laughs> like, oh. I feel like it's gonna go yeah. <laughs> darkly inappropriate. It's already gone south. Already gone south. <laughs> but so Nog wants to get into the Red Squad, and they they. They, that's all he's there for mm. is to talk about the, the Red Squad. Right. Why not? Because of Cisco, he gets into the Red Squad and has to go on this mission and messes something up or is at least just present for it so he can have a secret to withhold from Jake. And then Nog says, look, you can't tell anybody. You know, they told us we can't tell anybody. This is supposed to be super low. And they, you know, have there be a little bit more intrigue that we get to see as opposed to it just being reported back to us. Like it's being read to us. Right. That would have been more interesting for me. I mean, this goes back to, you know, what we were saying earlier about um, that nobody else heard (laughs) that I I tend to not like episodes of television or movies that are solely character driven. Right. Where it truly is. There's very little plot line, only enough to set the stage for characters to play out. Yeah. And that's that's where I sort of take some. I guess some dissent from from your angle is that you, you like the character moments. I was fine with them too. I just there was nothing else happening. Right, it was just about that. No, I, I would agree with that. But uh, the, one of the, I think one of the things that I really appreciated about this episode was genuinely how subdued Avery Brooks was. There were you know house of dude. Yeah, like he you know when he's ha- when he's talking to his dad, like he he was not yelling. Like he was very he was. I would say his emotional level was still a little bit more exaggerated than it needed to be. But you know when he was. When he was pensive and when he was concerned, like he wasn't yelling his frustrations, you know, he's kind of like talking into his cup and, you know, just he was he was talking softly to his father, you know, when he was worried about him. Um, and, right. and I, I really liked the moment when he is talking to Nog and, you know, and he's like, maybe you can, you know, set me up with a cadet. You know, he's like, oh, I can't do that. And he's like, I'm sorry. Perhaps you thought I was asking yeah. a favor. It was nice. I, I did. It does. For some reason with Cisco, it always escalates really fast. His mood right. or his emotion. Yeah. It always goes from just casual, like wide eyed, smiley Cisco to immediately he's yelling at you. Right. <laughs> 
for some whether whether it's at you or about something he's yelling all of a sudden yeah it just always feels so abrupt and i it takes me out of it at some points because he he you can see the acting you know you, you can now smell the acting coming from him yeah yeah um well and i i think in this episode i figured out why his his intensity is so much more i, I mean obviously he escalates really quickly but he he does this amazing thing where he pauses his breath before he gets to a word that has an open sounding uh the like <laughs> that's true beginning of the word you know so he, yeah and he sometimes like yeah he'll sometimes like pant before he's going to say something emotional right right <laughs> right well that's definitely he'll, he'll be yeah. like because right you can't do that right like he does that weird dog pant thing before it yeah it is it is but yeah i think the the pause before he like he punches those words is just what makes it sound so much more it's it's i mean the shatner school of acting is basically what it is (laughs) but see i think i think cisco or avery brooks shows up with everybody's lines memorized he seems like that kind of actor oh for sure that would not you know what i mean like he he probably knows all of his lines but he has put dare i say too much work into the character i wonder if there were any moments in the show that would show this where he's like i'll bet you were going to say you know and (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean there there was virtually no sci-fi at all to this other than what you were saying like i can be you know i can be new orleans right after work in san francisco um yeah it was cool i yeah i was like god can you imagine imagine that world where you where you and i could meet to do this podcast in person in a non-COVID world, but just for the hour that we record, yeah, for the short half an hour that we record, we could <laughs> be at, could be in the in the same room, just for that forty-two minutes. Yeah, we and I, we could make it so we wouldn't even I would if I was coming to Phoenix that I wouldn't even leave the room that I beamed into. Right. If teleportation really did exist on a local level like that, think about like how much nature would return because we wouldn't need roads. Yeah. Yeah, or airplanes. Yeah. Or I guess we'd need boats because we would still probably ship things. Well, maybe not. Maybe just still beam stuff that you could beam anything. Well, I feel like we would still have, you know, planes, trains, cars, ships, all that kind of thing for pleasure, but freight ships would be gone. Um Cargo planes would be gone. Yeah, there would still be sailors and maybe people would be pilots yeah. of some kind. Yeah, and I feel like driving would still be a recreational thing. You know, people would and, – and it would still be there for the people who either wanted to do it in an old-fashioned way or they just enjoyed the the journey. Um, yeah, it would be like – it would be like horseback riding it is now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, you know, that would that would cut out at least 95% of the the pollution that comes from – all of those types of transportation. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's the whole idea behind paradise. Why they call it is that there is, it's totally transparent that you don't, you don't think about filling your gas tank up with gas or putting coal in the, in the oven. <laughs> I don't I've never cooked before, but, but you know what I mean? Like you don't think you just don't think about it. It just, it's there. It's, right. It happens. It's like plumbing. It's like, you don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that to me was the, the most science fiction in the two episodes in the hour and 30 minutes that I just watched. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think overall for this episode, uh, you know, like, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was good, um, political intrigue and I liked the character moments, uh, definitely was not a Star Trek episode, but I think also one of the struggles that the whole crew had with it. Um, and this kind of goes back to the, the serial aspect of things. 
um, was this was written to be the season three cliffhanger episode. And the um, the studio, Paramount Studios, said they didn't want to end another Star Trek season with a cliffhanger. So they had to write, uh, I think the episode was called The Adversary. Um, and that was that was kind of an open-ended season finale where it gave them a lot of different directions they could go with the next season, which then meant they had to start up some new storylines and they had to rework the story to be in the third season. They couldn't just put it in right away. And so as as a consequence of that, it came on the back end of the season where most of the money had already been used up. So most of the things that we that they told us, they told us because they couldn't afford to show us. Wait a minute. Why wouldn't they want to end a Star Trek season on a cliffhanger? I don't know. That's the best way to end any kind of show, I would think. Keeps, keeps people talking about it. Well, especially especially if they know that they're bringing it back. So I wonder if there was some kind of doubt because this was the first season end without TNG keeping it afloat, I think. <laughs> and I mean, what what are they going to cliffhang? Is Cisco going to take a drink out of his coffee cup? <laughs> Or will he take a bite of the of the shrimp creole? It just shows the the drink and the plate, like from the table's perspective, you know, of him looking at it, and he starts to reach, <laughs> and it fades to black. <laughs> to be continued. Right. <laughs> and it just says previously on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and that's all it shows is just his deliberation. <laughs> I don't know which one I want. <laughs> I would actually watch that. I would I would find the value in 45 minutes of Cisco deciding whether or not he wanted to take a drink of coffee or a bite of Creole. So we, I would find something. We haven't talked about the episode yet. We haven't analyzed it. But the, the episode where he is recounting in a in a log, uh, you know, in a personal entry, the events that he did, you know, he, he basically commits acts of war in the episode that I'm thinking of. I don't remember which one it was. It's, it's touted as one of the best of DS9 and, you know, just a, a great acting piece for Avery Brooks. But it, I wonder how far after the, the episodes we just watched that episode is for him to be so upset with Admiral Lorenza for doing everything he did and then be willing to do very similar things to protect the Federation. Obviously, he didn't, you know, didn't do martial law and take take control of Earth, but he was willing to give up his principles to ensure that the war with the Dominion began, which is what Admiral Lexington was doing. I don't, I don't remember the episode, but you don't remember the I'm episode sure. I'm talking about? No. Oh. No. Okay. No. Although we do, we do get Cisco with in in full and the, the way that I always remember him, which is bald with the goatee. Yes. Yeah. I do remember that. And they did comment on it too. Did you notice that? They did. Yeah. They did. I did notice that. <laughs> which this must have been the first time that he was like this. Right. I suppose. Yeah. So I wonder because he he had both for a while, right? He had the goatee and the head of hair. So yes. he shaved his head. It wasn't that he was completely hairless on his head before he grew out the goatee. <laughs> Okay. It was a transporting accident. <laughs> he has he has no hair, no eyebrows, body. right? <laughs> Zero, except for on his face, because <laughs> it's not his hair. That's uh, funny. It's just a, the transporting accident. Like he can't shave it or grow it. It's just that's how his face looks now. <laughs> It'd be funny if Miles O'Brien is walking around with a goatee shaped like bald spot on his hair. <laughs> Don't ask. Uh, so that's that episode. Or episodes. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we got them out of the way. Well, yeah, I, I know 
I, I, it's got to just be the character side of things because I I really enjoyed this and it was nice to have a Star Trek skin on it um, to to already have a history with these characters, you know. And I mean, if it was any other show, any other like political show, they they would have just used their characters. But it was kind of fun to see it with a Star Trek skin. But this was, I mean, we're in agreement on this one. We're it was not a proper Star Trek episode, but I liked it and no, you didn't. No, I agree. No. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah. From time. Well, you like DS Nine. I don't. I, I'm tending not to like this this particular show. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So not a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Not proper. No, not. I should say not a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah. All right. Shall we see what we are watching next, sir? Yeah. Let's do it. Star Trek: The Original Series. I guess we don't have to say Star Trek anymore. This is episode forty-three. <laughs> right. At this point, people should know that we're doing Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The original series, season one, episode seven, Muds Women. And as far oh, as I nice. know, kind of a famous episode. Yeah. I think. Well, Harry Mudd for sure. I mean, so yeah, however many episodes yeah. he'd like two, three, four. His debut as a character, I think. Uh, I let me so. read the blurb. Kirk and the crew rescue Harry Judd. <laughs> Must be. I guess I got uh, autocorrected again. <laughs> so I need to pay attention to that. Harry Mudd and three mail order brides. From his matchmaking service, Mud tries to stop Kirk from bringing him to justice in his league of that mm. that dangling pronoun. Like, who's him, Kirk or Mud? Mud tries to stop Kirk from bringing him to justice. Would it say from bringing himself? Yeah, probably. So never mind. Well, that wouldn't make it. Would that make sense too? Either? How would you say it so you you kind of well, it wasn't confusing? As though you didn't write it in uh, the time it took to to type it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So one quick note, there uh, there are eight two-part episodes of DS9, and we have watched three, maybe four. So. Wow. And we've only done like 6% of, of them or something like right. that? Some right. Some crazy number. Yeah. All right. Well, so do we want to watch it or do we want to go – do we want to tell people what to do? <laughs> I like telling people what to do. <laughs> uh, there was – something oh so just my conversation about the um the cisco bit about him like compromising his morals we have our method you know obviously using the random generator and picking out episodes um but i feel like i would want to watch that episode sooner than later the cisco centric where he commits an act of war um listeners what would you like do you want us to stick to the code and just keep going and when it comes up it comes up or do you want us to watch it sooner than later and we can kind of speak to it with this episode fresh in our mind about Cisco's 180 on upholding his principles and values. Yeah, it'd be a good follow up to see if they even if they even reference this particular episode right. at all. Yeah, because it's so germane. Yeah. Um, so you can let us know uh, in the comment sections of any of your podcast streaming channels, um, or you can email us at the measure of an episode at gmail.com. Yeah, love to hear from you. Yeah. And and yeah, if you just want